The Walking Dead is alive, more destructive than ever, and author A.J. Rice returns to warn us about them on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. Sadly, The Woking Dead is still flourishing. You would have thought that America would have caught on by now to their ghoulish behavior that's significantly contributing to the destruction of our nation, but that's not the case. So it's time to issue another stern warning in regard to this catastrophic ideology that needs to be eliminated, as with all horror movie ghouls. So let's get into it. When I think about how to bring this guest back onto the show, it probably would take less time telling you what he isn't compared to rolling out the plaudits of what he is. Still, let the good times roll. He's a brand manager, auteur media influencer, star whisperer, producer, executive producer, author. That's not all. Columnist, humorist, impresario, publicist public relations maven. The star-studded lists of high-profile guests he's produced or promoted include Dan Bongino, Monica Crowley, Newt Gingrich, Steve Hilton, Laura Ingram, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Buck Sexton, Donald Trump Jr., and that's just the tip of the list. He's the CEO of Publius PR Firm and the author of the resurging book, The Woking Dead, how Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. I welcome back to the show, A.J. Rice. How are you, A.J.? Brother Gary, great to be here, my friend. Great to have you back. And uh, your, your book, The Woking Dead, sprung up 12 months after it was released to once again top the Amazon book charts. Congratulations. Thank what, you. What about the resurgence, and are you surprised by it? Well, look, I tell people this all the time. I could rewrite this book every day with the crazy cultural stuff that's going on in the United States on a weekly, monthly basis. I mean, it, it is the quintessential target-rich environment, without a doubt. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that both on the Democrat side with RFK Jr. and on the Republican side with Vivek, DeSantis, and the OG, that their brands are tied up wrapped up in being anti-woke crusaders. I mean, we don't agree with all four of these men on everything. RFK Jr.'s got some ideas about some social issues that I may not get down with. But he is being chased. He is being hunted. Vivek is being hunted. DeSantis is being hunted. And of course, really, since the Golden Escalator ride, uh, Donald Trump, the, the anti-politically correct, anti-woke OG, I mean, he, he is the, the godfather of this. I mean, he, it's one of the reasons he won in 2016. So, I, you know, it's no, I don't think there's any mystery that wokeism's now in the common vernacular and that, you know, when you're talking about the American people and what they care about, um, you know, Fox News Sunday can try to tell us what they care about. Chris Christie and Nikki Haley can try to tell us what the American people care about. But I'm telling you right now, wokeism and 
election integrity and the medical tyranny that we've gone through, those three things, as well as some of the other sort of political tyranny, like hunting Donald Trump every day, these are these are front and center. So the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, or Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, they can go to Iowa and lift up rocks and move the grubs aside and find some woman that says, I don't care about wokeism. I'm telling you right now, we're developing a unified theory of wokeness here. Last I talked to you, I don't know, there might have only been three dozen flavors, but now there's more. Every day, when you're talking about wokeism, you're talking about cultural Marxism infecting everything that we deal with, what we watch, what we eat, what we drink, um, and the American people have had enough. So if you wonder why the book is popping, other than Vivek, my book was pretty much the first book on the scene that dealt with the issue. And look, Vivek's got a great book. Everyone should pick it up. It's called uh, Woke Inc. Um, it was his first book. But other than him, you know, The Woking Dead is the book to go get if you are afraid of your country and your culture deteriorating. Yes, I hear you. Now, I do believe the listeners have a general idea in regard to woke or wokeness. Ugh. Woking Dead takes this to another level. Please unpack the premise of your book. And in describing the book, The Woking Dead, the purpose is to save America from Joe Biden and his woke zombie battalions in government, entertainment, academia, sports, and media. And your desire is to wake up slumbering Americans as to what's happening in our culture and help us gird our loins for the crazy years ahead. So just in case some people don't really understand what wokeness is or what's going on, can please unpack that for them. Well, first of all, with the book, uh, you know, everything we, we do here, uh, we try to do it with a little bit of humor. So obviously I'm parroting, you know, The Walking Dead. But when you're dealing with wokeness and the way it has sort of spread throughout the culture, you know, from the public schools all the way through Budweiser um, and everything in between, Nike, the NBA, so on, you're talking about a peer contagion. Okay, let's call it that. It's a you know psychological contagion among peers, and you know I call it a Vogue virus because it's trending. Elon Musk, who I think has probably read the book, elbow elbow wink wink, he's called it a woke mind virus, but it is a virus. And one of the reasons I wrote the book was because while we were locked down under the medical tyranny from the China virus, it, it dawned on me you know while they're holding us in place. The real virus, the real, you know, enemy was pumping this wokeness into us while we were locked down, while we were captured, and we're all cooped up in our houses. That is what they've been doing, really. I mean, look, and, and to some degree, political correctness has always been there, at least since the 90s. But they've accelerated this, and the peer contagion is spreading. So one of the reasons I wrote it was to poke fun at them because they're more upset about jokes about them than about any type of intellectual argument you want to have with them. I mean, what, what kind of argument or what kind of debate can you have with a group of monsters that want to mutilate children? I mean, you can't. So in, you know, in certain circumstances, when you're dealing with wokeness, you're dealing with, you know, the United States of Mengele. So 
So look, we're making fun of them. You have to do that. You know, Limbaugh used to say, you know, use humor to illustrate truth. Um, some of this stuff is horrific. Uh, so, you know, one of the other definitions of comedy is, of course, to transform horror into humor, right? It's like tragedy plus time equals comedy. But like I said earlier, it's a target-rich environment. This stuff's coming at us every day, uh, you know, and it's everywhere. And I think the calculation has been made, Gary, that the, especially with corporations that are getting involved in this, that they would rather lose the customer than change the ideological drive behind them. I think it's not about money anymore. It's not. Not with all this DEI, ESG stuff floating around. So, I mean, and look, when it comes to audiences, you've had guys like Jimmy Kimmel basically say, look, if my bosses call me in, and his boss is Disney, because ABC is owned by Disney, if they call me into the mouse house and they tell me to stop making fun of Trump, Trump's voters, traditional Americans, religious Americans, whatever it is, I'm not going to do it. You can fire me. So for him, he has no audience. This is why Gutfeld has an audience and, and these, you know, dummy white guys uh, on the networks don't, um, you know, because there's a market there because it's, it's all the same sort of lazy jokes. It's tired Gen X. Boring white dude jokes over and over again, right? How many Trump jokes can you tell? How many Palin jokes can you tell? And that's why, you know, with books like mine, with people out there like, you know, uh, Alex Stein and Gutfeld and Crowder and, you know, the boys at the Daily Wire and so on, you know, there is an audience for this stuff. Um, mock them relentlessly. And look, I'm working on a sequel. So, uh, you know, probably this time next year, I'll, I, hopefully you'll have me back and we're going to, we're going to go deeper and get under their skin even deeper with the next one. Okay. Now please tie in, right. And you will be back when you have your next book, please tie in what you're talking about, the wokeness, how it spun out of cultural Marxism. So with, in most cases, especially if you look at the 20th century, when, Marxism in all of its different forms uh, spread, including the national socialist variety that was born out of the Weimar Republic of Germany and brought Hitler to power. Um, you're dealing with places, dumps, quite frankly, most of them, that didn't have a middle class. They had some sort of colonial power, some sort of autocratic gangster family like Batista and Cuba, um, sort of unelected authoritarians and no middle class. Um, and you had basically serfs and peasants at the bottom. So when this worked, when the totalitarians were able to overthrow a royal family or a colonial power, it was usually some sort of peasant uprising um, where workers of the world were uniting. And they'd make an economic argument um, you know, like stop, like Lenin and Stalin did to overthrow the Romanovs in Russia, and that's how you got the Soviet Union. So whether it's North Korea or Vietnam or Cuba, usually it was peasants rising up because there was no middle class. They didn't have food. However, here and in the Western world, whether it's Canada or, or United States or France, um, Great Britain, for Marxism to take hold, 
they had to go a different route. They couldn't go the traditional overthrow, you know, hang the capitalist by the ropey manufactured route. So they looked to other foot soldiers. And we've talked about this. Well, who, who, who could they get that hates the country? Because, you know, our working class here, especially 100 years ago or 50 years ago, I mean, the 20s were booming in America, post-World War I. The 50s were booming. The 80s were booming. Um, in most cases, under Republican presidents, whether it's Coolidge or Eisenhower or Reagan, um, they had to get someone else to, 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 to basically infect, with the peer contagion, our culture. And that's where the cultural Marxist comes along. There was an Italian philosopher who loved Marx, named Antonio Gramsci, who basically, it dawned on him, and there's been others since, um, you know, uh, coming all the way up to Barack Obama, um, they have thought to themselves, you know what? We're not going to get a revolution of longshoremen. We're not going to get a revolution of, you know, farmers and bricklayers and, you know, pipe fitters. And instead, we need to get different soldiers to do this. Well, who? Who could they get? Who was already, you know, predisposed to love this stuff, to be progressive radicals at the turn of the last century, like the William Jennings, William Jennings Bryan people, the Woodrow Wilson people, the Margaret Sanger people? Like, who could they get? Well, they got early radio. They got the silent picture industry. They got Broadway. They got newspapers. They got the teachers unions. They got a lot of unions. Not all. Not all. Coal miners really aren't buying it. Many others aren't buying it. They're not buying it now. They weren't buying it then. Um, and, of course, the Democrat Party. And if you fast forward 100 years to where we are now, these are basically the same villains pushing wokeness. So it starts off in the incubator, the progressive incubator. Cultural Marxism comes down. They do the long march through the institutions. And they end up, you know, at the turn of this century, uh, Y2K, and a lot of the dopes in Silicon Valley buy into this stuff. So they've got them. They've got Gates. They've got Zuckerberg. They've got the, you know, androgynous weirdos over at Google. They've got all of them, uh, pretty much everyone except Musk and Peter Thiel and a few others. Um, they buy into this stuff. Uh, the Silicon Valley people. So big tech is like their is like their dream because it allows them to move faster. It allows them to suppress, to deplatform, to demonetize, um, to shadow ban, and they are able to spread the peer contagion at a faster clip. Whether it's through Snapchat or TikTok, whether it's through goofy programming at Amazon Prime and Netflix, and Hulu, and Disney Plus. So, you know, uh, now, obviously, we're consumers. We can choose what we want to watch you know, we, or listen to. So, you know, obviously, you want to listen to this show, and you don't want to, you know, see a Disney. You don't want to watch a Disney movie with 15 characters that don't know what their gender, you know, is. So that's where we're at, and that's where they came from. So it's so, so a 100-year march. They're here. They started off as cultural Marxists. They still are. But that who the, that's who the Woking Dead is. And look, they come in all different shapes and sizes. You know, they're like the Crayola 64 box at this point. I mean, they, they come in the form of Black Lives Matter and the trans mafia 
and people pushing, you know, the Me Too movement, people pushing the 1619 Project, the people that want to erase our history. Um, and look, make no mistake, we've resisted this because we have a middle class. Um, we've resisted it because, because we have the four pillars of Western civilization, which is Greco-Roman, Judeo-Christian philosophies. Uh, but that's why those things have to go. That's why the syllabus of our life is being rewritten. Um, and then once you have corporate stooges that are in on this and they start implementing ESG, environmental social governance, and DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they hold these things up as sort of the report cards of our citizenship, if they're, they're acting almost, Gary, like the user agreement for being an American citizen. You either sign it or you're out. It starts to resemble the, the Chinese social credit system, right? So now that's, that's how they get us. Well, you know, Gary and Roy, you know, Gary and, and AJ, you know, they're, they're, they're failing. They're great. Their diversity, equity, and inclusion grade is an F, right? So that's how they implement it, whether it's at Nike or at Goldman Sachs. So, so now we're all on guard um, because they want us to self-censor. They want us to self-correct. And this is how slowly but surely they influence our behavior, right? Yep. And the, the bottom line of that, now you throw in, okay, they implement it, we get failing grades, and then what do they do? Cancel culture. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. You get canceled. You, you look, but it wasn't, you know, this wasn't supposed to be like this. I mean, this was supposed to be the land of different types of people, different types of uh, skin color, different types of religion, um, coming together um, with the American creed in mind, um, with the declaration. I mean, look, we're, we were a country of tax rebels. Um, we were people that fled some dump in Europe that didn't like our version of Christianity. Um, you know, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Uh, but here we are, and because of the Woking Dead infecting all the sort of levers of our culture, our politics, our economy, you know, how, I mean, it's just crazy. People, students getting kicked out of college because of some Facebook post from when they were 14. I mean, crazy stuff like that. Um, you know, we're now separate but unequal. Well, we have to invent all of our own things. We have to invent our own television channels and our own, you know, streaming services and our own church and our own sneaker line. And our, I mean, it wasn't supposed to be this way. But here we are, um, more divided than ever. And as you know, as the great man said, you know, a house divided cannot stand. Damn. And to some degree, I think that's by design. I think it's by design. I think, you know, I think the left loves moments like January 6th because it's a crisis with visual images um, that they're able to exploit and they're able to use. And that's why they want as many of those as possible, even if they have to author them themselves. So, I mean, look at, look at what's going on with the former president. I mean, two phony impeachments, four phony indictments, 
And yet here he comes. It's like spitballs on a battleship, right? Mm-hmm. We're still on the golden escalator with him. He still hasn't fallen. Um, and there's not much left that they haven't done to him, you know? And I know people like Bongino and Tucker are talking about what the final thing is. RFK Jr.'s father knows a little something about that. So, you know, it's a scary thing because, as we've talked about, Gary, if they can't get you digitally, they may come at you physically. Somebody was in Brett Kavanaugh's neighborhood with a gun, you know? Someone jumped on stage and tried to stab Dave Chappelle because of his jokes. Someone stabbed Salman Rushdie because they didn't like a book he wrote, you know, 35 years ago. Um, so this is this is where they are, right? They'll dox you, um, and they'll hope that one of their lunatics, like the Bernie Sanders shooter that shot Steve Scalise, will show up. Without even having to ask, because they're down for the struggle. You know, uh, some of the subtitles of the chapters to your book are, are certain to garner attention, and I'd like to comment on a few of them. These, these are some of the... These are some of the subtitles to the chapters in the book. Liberalism's Frankenstein monster escapes the lab. America gets a senior citizen sugar daddy. I like that one. Joe Biden, our first Chinese president. Hunter Biden, white crackhead privilege. Maybe it's time to unfriend people who eat bats. (laughs) Facebook says white people are zucked. How many conservatives on Twitter had to go to make room for O.J. Simpson? Racial revenge porn comes to your kids. Does cancel culture have an expiration date? I think that's hilarious. And uh, Kobe Bryant, the last unwoke NBA athlete. You can just, you know, give a people a little uh, what do you have appetite of a couple of these things. And this is what they'll get in the book. Sure. I mean, I mean, you have to understand that. In order to reach certain people, and look, I'm a millennial. I'm, a, I'm on the older end of the millennial spectrum. Um, you know, sometimes I call myself a geriatric millennial. Um, but millennials are turning 40. They waited a long time to have children, get married, a lot of them, for various reasons. Um, some of them have Peter Pan syndrome, uh, but they're trying to come out of that. Some of them couldn't afford, you know, I mean, the boomers don't retire. So the idea that there's all these jobs out there is a, is a myth. Uh, they were hit with 9-11. Uh, we were hit with the 08 financial crisis. And obviously we were hit with the, the craziest medical emergency, real or imagined or concocted, the world has ever seen. And millennials keep on going. Now, some of them might have voted for Obama once or twice if they were paying attention. A lot of them voted for Trump. Um, A lot of them are blue collar, multi-ethnic. The Republican Party is becoming more like that. Um, And it scares the left. 70, 80 million people. That's why we've had two phony impeachments and four phony indictments. They're trying to get at those 80 million people. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, they don't like Asians that, and you've had, I think, Kenny Shu on this show. Kenny Shu's been on. They don't, they, don't, they don't like Asian Americans in here using the kooky affirmative action rules that they created, succeeding, taking slots from, I guess, C students, regardless of color, 
Um, and they're going out and preaching, you know, self-reliance, preaching capitalism, going to church. Uh, you know, that's why Asian people are now being called white adjacent, which is insane. Right. Um, they're white adjacent. They're not white. They're, they're, they're standing next to white people and the sunlight of whiteness is filtering through <laughs> some white guy like a screen door. Um, I saw New York Magazine uh, wrote a piece recently called The Rise of Latino White Supremacy. Now, as an Irish Catholic guy from Philadelphia, um, I don't know what Latino white supremacy is. Um, I guess they're referring to the New York Times story that said that there was, they were very upset that all these counties along the Rio Grande that are blue normally um, voted for Donald Trump. These are the people affected first from any type of cartel activity. Um, they're affected first by human and child trafficking, by drugs, by fentanyl, by, you know, different types of gangsters and coyotes walking across their property. Um, and they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe these Latinos. So they had to come up with a reason. Um, let's see, the New York Times dug into their, uh, you know, pedantic, you know, predictable bag of tricks. And what they came out with was this. Well, Hispanic men like Trump because he reminds them of their authoritarian dictators of Latin America and Central America. He's got machismo. He's got machismo. He's, you know, he's like Hugo Chavez or Daniel Ortega, which I found hilarious because the New York Times normally loves those guys. The New York Times normally loves the Castro boys and all these other different kooks, the, you know, Ava Perone and all, all these, these left-wing wackos from Central and South America, you know, the Sandinistas, they love these guys. They love them. They love Hugo Chavez going to the UN, making fun of George W. Bush. They, they were like, you know, salivating over these guys. And yet, this is how they explain away Hispanics voting for Trump. This scares them. Asian Americans scares them. More both, both African American male and female, I have the numbers, um, and it's in the book. There's a piece called Wimpy White Man Went for Biden. More black men and women went for Trump than any Republican since Eisenhower. And what's funny is Obama, whose mama looks the same as my mama, goes on this wacky podcast that nobody listens to and says, you know what, I got a theory um, about why so many rappers like Trump. He goes like, he's just like, he goes right to the rappers. Why so many rappers like Trump and so many black males in particular voted for Trump. He goes, you know, I can't even believe this. Gary, you have to weigh in on this. He goes, you know, black males, you know, they like bling. And Trump's all about the bling. Trump's all, everything's gold and big and loud. And, you know, that's why Kanye and Lil Wayne and Ice Cube and Diddy and all these people, that's why they like Trump, right? That's, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? There is a point there. I like it. He obviously 
it's got black people in a box inside his own head. But, um, I mean, Trump kind of is our first hip-hop president. I mean, he pardoned, uh, you know, uh, the founder of Death Row Records. Snoop calls him up. You get this guy. He pardoned in Little Wayne. He, he basically threatened Sweden with a trade war unless they released ASAP Rocky from prison because he got into a fight in the club. Um, but it's just like, this is how they see black people, like this, in their little box. Asian people, their little white adjacent box. Latin people are, are, are you know, white supremacists now. This is what they do. Trump went, Trump went to that event with the Prime Minister Modi of India in this football stadium. I think it was in Houston. It was like all these Indian Americans. And the media went nuts. Oh, my God, he's pandering. You know, but Indian Americans, you know, they're, they're, they're not really people of color. And I'm just like, my God. So, so then the Indian Americans got, got tossed. And now recently, and I've been talking about this as it relates to wokeism, because wokeism is now getting into the church. It's getting into religion, and, and it's in the public schools. And you have all these areas of the country now that are predominantly Muslim whether it's Minneapolis or Dearborn, Michigan or Patterson, New Jersey, or, you know, Hagerstown, Maryland, where you have Muslims running for school board, trying to get on borough councils to stop wokeism. So now, which is, it's so interesting, you have, they brought all the three Abrahamic religions together to fight wokeism, Orthodox Jews, Evangelicals, Catholics, Islam, so now I'm starting to hear, uh, 20 years ago, remember they were worried about hate crimes against Muslims after 9-11. Now Islam's out. It seems like, it seems like Islam's out. So the pecking order of wokeism, let me get this straight. Um, woke trumps everything. It trumps Indian Americans, Asian Americans, black women, black men. It trumps Indians that are in a football stadium with Trump. Uh, and now Islam, so who's left? I mean, like, who's, who's left? Who, who's part of the group that can continue on and, and celebrate our liberty here? I mean, that's why I wrote that piece in the book, because it looks like the white male women's studies majors on their Pelotons, driving their Audis around with their virtue signaling flags in their front yard in this house. We believe that vaccines are real. You know, you know, hug a midget. Uh, we're fully vaccinated and triple vaxxed and, and love is love and all the, you know, apparently, and I call them the pumpkin spice mafia, Gary, that's all that's left. Uh, the whitest people in the room, and that's why Trump gained with all these groups. Because for Trump, for populism, for conservatism, really, at its roots, it's not about any of these things, these Benetton boxes that the left is obsessed over. They can't stop talking about it, right? And look, and you and I know straight women are out. Unless you're a woman that wants to be a man, you're out too. And we're going to send male bodybuilders at you. We're going to send male swimmers at you track and field people. When LeBron retires from the NBA, we're going to put a wig on him and have him go score 800 points a game in the WNBA and play till he's 105. That's where we're at now. That's where we're at. So, you know, I mean, I don't know who's left. 
and who's part of the protected group. But I do know that wokeism is at the top of the list of the pecking order, and the rest of us have to just, I guess, play catch up to it. Yeah, that was really, really good. And I do have a couple comments. I'm comparing woke to the blob. Now, the blob was a movie made, I think, in the 60s with Steve McQueen, late I think, 50s, was in it. And yeah. the late 50s. And, and the blob just absorbed times. everything in its path. That's what's happening. And you're right. They're throwing groups out and this, that, the other thing. And if, if you don't get on board with the project, if you're not on board with the ideology, you get swallowed up. And, and you just get consumed and you don't get heard from again. AJ, before we look inside your Plubius PR firm, I would be remiss to not share with the listening audience your instrumental role in helping to keep this show on the air with a steady flow of high profile guests. Here's the list of guests who have appeared on this show via AJ's Publius PR firm, Christina Bob. Ben Carson, Carrie Lake, Dr. Carol Lieberman, Peter Navarro, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Ian Pryor, Tom Trento, and Vander Steele, Naomi Wolf, Kenny Chu. Thank you, bro. Thanks very much. Hey, look, uh, you know, we appreciate you. You have an audience that is growing by the day because they've had it with what's going on in the country. You guys are patriots. Um, you know, and look, a lot of a lot of places out there, you know, will not put on certain guests. They're afraid. Even some of our favorite supposed conservative spots won't do it. And there's, you know, so there's certain people that are off limits and certain topics that are off limits. But, you know, I try to think of myself as a player coach, right? Nobody wants nobody, you know, nobody wants a coach that hasn't played the game. So, I see this from every angle. I go into the cave myself. I try to bring truth. Um, you know, we all have to sort of find our own personal liberty. Um, and I think we're in the fight of our life. I mean, I, I know every generation says that. Reagan said, if we don't fight, we're one generation away from losing it. So um, the ongoing spirit of 76 continues. Um, it's personal for me because I'm from Philadelphia. Um, and I think that, you know, in the next 12 months, um, there's going to be even more guests brought to you and to this audience. And I think that we all have to sort of make a decision on whether we're just going to put our heads down and allow the Woking Dead and the Deep State and many others to dictate what America we're going to have or whether we're going to get the, you know, get the hell out of the house and fight for it, because that's what we have to do. I hear you, and I really appreciate everything that you and the company have done for us uh, about the firm. So please tell people about the firm, what it does and how it operates and uh, the, the tentacles of where it, it reaches. All roads lead to Publius. Um, well, I didn't start out as the king of conservative PR. Uh, I was a uh, producer of shows prior to this. I was the executive producer of the Laura Ingram show executive producer of the Monica Crowley show. Um, I did an investigative news show for John Solomon called America's Morning News. And I was brought in by Glenn Beck to help launch the Blaze Radio Network uh, a little over a decade ago. And my, you know, my first, my first uh, hosts there were Buck Sexton, Chris Salcedo, and Jay Severin. Um, and look, you know, I, uh, 
in the beginning, you know, it helped having some of those contacts. But one of the things I, I it dawned on me um, when I, I basically thought to myself, you know what, I can't produce shows forever. Did I want to be a host? Um, I think there's probably always going to be some part of me that that considers it. I was a fill-in host for Monica. I was a fill-in host for Laura um, uh, and for others. Uh, I think I filled in for Jerry Doyle once. Um, God rest his soul. He was a patriot. Um, but I basically reverse engineered what I was doing. So rather than being the producer with all the incoming you know, requests for people to get on my show, I started becoming the annoying one to send out pitches <laughs> to everyone else. So I started knocking on doors instead of answering. And, you know, it took some time to build the PR firm up, but we've had dozens of New York Times bestsellers since then. Everyone from Newt Gingrich to Donald Trump Jr. to Alan Dershowitz to Victor Davis Hanson and even the late uh, Charles Krauthammer. Um, we've worked with political families and dynasties. I've done work for George P. Bush, Donald Trump Jr., R uh, RFK Jr., um, Robert Bork Jr., um, you know, so, so we've, we, you know, we run sort of the spectrum. It's not just hardcore MAGA. Uh, it's not just people I agree with, you know, hundred percent of the time, it's all different types. Um, we've done novels, we've done memoirs. Um, you know, we've done, you know, Ted Bell books and we've done, um, Homer Hickam who wrote, uh, Rocket Boys, which got turned into that movie, October Sky. Uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal um, and Chris Cooper. Uh, you know, I knew Vince Flynn uh, pretty well um, before he passed with cancer. So, and look, you know, we do religion stuff. Uh, a lot of Trump's, the pastors around Trump uh, are either current or former clients. So Pastor Paula White and Bishop Aubrey Shines and Jensen Franklin and uh, Rabbi Ari Spiro, who sadly just passed who gave the invocation in 2020, one of the nights of the convention at the White House. Um, so look, there's a lot of room. We do a lot of different types of stuff. We do sports people, um, you know, and we would like to do more of it. And what we do is we try to get them on shows like this and shows that, you know, um, have massive audiences like this one. So, you know, in TV, radio, we place op-eds. Um, you know, I'm a columnist myself for like 30, 40 outlets at this point. So, so we're trying to flood the zone with pro-America, pro-capitalist, pro, you know, traditional values people. And look, we don't all line up, you know, conservatives don't come out of some machine, some cookie cutter where we all just sort of think alike, like a bunch of robots, like the way Biden was talking to Charlemagne the God. I mean, we're not like that. It's very different. Um, I mean, look at Vivek. I mean, look at his background. Very different than DeSantis's background or Mike Huckabee's background or, you know, in the past, you know, people like Rick Santorum or Dr. Ben Carson. We're all, it's all very different. So that's the, the beauty of conservatism is, like you said before, there isn't one uniform, right? Tucker Carlson ripped his bow tie off years ago and he burned it. Like a, like a feminist in the 60s burning their bras, right? He burned your bow tie, burn your bow tie. You want to you wanna dress like the Fonz? You can dress like the Fonz. If you want to dress like, you know, 2 chains, you can dress like 2 chains. Whatever you want to do. Um, it's all good, right? So 
so that's who we are. Um, we, you know, go to publiuspr.com. If you have a book or an idea for a book, or if you have an organization trying to get out there, we work with everyone from the Federalist Society to Gun Owners of America, the CO2 Coalition, Freedom Works. Um, you know, we have ties to presidential campaigns, ties to Trump, ties to RFK Jr., ties to Vivek. Um, you know, we, we know a lot of people working on some of the others. Um, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of ties to institutional Washington. Um, you know, even though we're here, I'm not far. I'm just outside of the swamp. Um, you know, I get invited to everything. And boy, when I go into those, uh, when I get into those, uh, uniparty events, Gary, it's like, like Darth Vader showed up. Let me tell you. So what's interesting though, is they all call, they all still call when they need something. You know, or when they think there's overlap, um, I get a phone call, uh, so which is interesting. Um, but again, you know, this is why John Boehner um, and Paul Ryan, they repealed Obamacare 700 times, um, knowing that it wasn't going to do anything. It's to, to keep the barbarians at bay, to keep the MAGA brigades at bay, you know. Don't ever think the Republican Party won't virtue signal at us, ladies and gentlemen. They do it all the time. And that's why a lot of what they do is like pro wrestling. It's to keep us, you know, from getting too from getting too uppity, right? I hear you. And AJ, I, I have to ask this again because this is so funny to me. Please tell people about uh, you as uh, with Laura Ingram and Monica Crowley and uh, the being plucked out of the river like Moses. <laughs> Sorry, just drives it. Well, I mean, look, they're like my big sisters. Janine has kind of become one, too, um, although that relationship is more recent. But I've done four of these Janine books in a row. And, you know, let me tell you something. Um, even Monica and Laura joke. How's it going with Janine? You know, how's it going? I said, well, you know, Janine, she's a tough cookie, man. Don't ever cross her. She, you know, um, is a spitfire. The reason she continues to kick rear ends and take names is because she's an American original. Monica and Laura, you know, they did pluck me from the basket kind of right around the same time, um, like Moses, uh, floating down the uh, Potomac. Um, you know, they are like fire and ice. Uh, they keep me, they, they keep me grounded. Um, they were on my rear end for years. When are you going to get married? And I'm always telling them, when are you going to get married? You two need to get married, right? You, you know, come on. Are you going to give it to me? Um, they're like my big sisters. Um, you know, uh, Laura, uh, you know, they, they, they work for Reagan. Monica worked for Nixon. Um, you know, Laura clerked on the Supreme Court. Monica's got a PhD and, you know, she was, you know, had, you know, worked for Trump. So, um, you know, in the in the uh, I guess it was in the Treasury Department recently. And look, they they they're, they're killers. Kellyanne Conway uh, is buddies with them. The three of them. Kellyanne's a Philly girl like me. Um, I'm a Philly guy. Uh, but, you know, uh, they're tough. They're tough. And. You know, I, I traveled, I've traveled the world with both of them. Um, I've been on book tours with both of them. Um, and they were both kind enough to give me blurbs for The Woking Dead. I think Laura's is on the back of the book jacket. 
So, um, and they make sure I don't get, you know, I don't get, I don't get too, too fresh and too, too out of line, you know, cause they know I'm a wild man, Irish Catholic guy from Northeast Philadelphia. So, but look, I love them to death. They have different styles. Don't cross them. Believe me, do not cross them. They're, uh, they can be, they can be lions and they can be lambs. That's for sure. I hear you. And I, I don't know Laura, but I do know Monica. I did meet Monica a couple of years ago. She came on the show, rocked it for an hour and she's been a friend and she's been very helpful. She's been giving me some pointers and tips and uh, she's she's been very supportive of me and I've tried to support her. As I told her, I try and have her back as much as I possibly can because I really believe in what she does. Her, Monica, Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin, when I became got saved in 1997 and changed from a Democrat to a conservative. She was one of the three that helped bring me up to conservative. So I really, really appreciate her. And I appreciate you coming back. Please tell people how they can reach you. Well, anything you'd like to promote. Sure. Look, I mean, if you're looking for, you know, publicity help, you can definitely go to publiuspr.com. And we are at this point now we're on, you know, pretty much every social media handle or even on TikTok. So either under AJ Wrights or Publius PR, um, you know, you can get the book anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes and Noble. Um, There is a book website, WokingDeadBook.com. You can go to WokingDeadBook.com. But reach out, you know. Uh, I I oversee a publication on Substack that is called the Publius National Post. Um, You know, we publish original stuff there and we... We, we send out, you know, pitches to media members of the different people we represent. So if you, th- if you have an idea, if you have a group that is looking to get media, hit us up for sure. We're, we're on pretty much everything except LinkedIn. I'm still banned from LinkedIn, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> I hear that. Not good, but uh, sooner or later they'll come. Hopefully they'll realize the error of their way. AJ, thanks for coming back. You're always welcome to be on the show when you have your next book out or even before that. If you got something to say, you're always welcome to come back. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless your family. Your kid's about two now, right? Getting close. Yeah, January close. too. Yeah, so you got yeah. married. See, they they didn't. You did. <laughs> you know, so, so, hey, God bless you and your family, and thanks again for coming on. Thank you. You're a patriot. Thank you, sir. So are you, my friend. A.J. Rice, everybody. There you have it. I want to thank A.J. Rice for returning to raise our consciousness on a monster that, like the blob, is infecting and infesting our nation. The blob was a fictitious movie creation. Sadly, this is not. We're going to have to handle this one ourselves, America. So let's get at it. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. If you're joining us for the first time, we encourage you to view the podcast archive located on the page. All episodes are there featuring more than 100 high-profile guests, including Morgan Brittany, Monica Crowley, Diamond and Silk, Vince Everett Ellison. Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Tom Holman, David Horowitz, Mike Lindell, Claire Lopez, Kevin McGarry, Kevin Sorbo, Christian Watson. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, 
and God bless America. <laughs>